you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast@gmail.com or follow us on any of our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram at Live on Four Legs Podcast, and on Twitter at Live on Four Legs Pod. No stamps on anybody's wrist today. No stamps. Doesn't that feel good? Freedom! No fucking club owners. No fucking. And away we go! You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring. Mr. Stone Gossip! Fucking camera in the truck. everybody now welcome to live on four legs a definitive live pearl jam podcast and happy new year to you all it is a brand new year 2020 is finally gone and we are in 2021 believe it or not and uh yeah we're just looking forward to the new year and kind of getting off to a a new start here and that's kind of what we're gonna do today kicks off the brand new series for live on four legs for 2021 and that's the hometown seattle series that we're going to do every first of the month or close to first of the month whenever it is we'll be doing a different show from seattle so this is celebrating the 30 year anniversary of pearl jam being a band and then later on we'll get into stuff it's going to be 10's 30th anniversary so there's going to be a lot of celebrating and a lot of uh retrospection going on here and looking back and and kind of telling these stories and today we're going to tell a pretty important story coming from 1991 an era we haven't done yet amazingly enough there's not too much to talk about set list wise there's 10 songs in this set but there's a lot to talk about outside of it inside of it and all that so we're gonna get into all of it randy sobel over here john farr over there happy Hello. new year my friend happy new year yeah it's a, yeah it, it, it finally came we we earned this one it feels like yeah it yeah it does feel like we've earned it but also you know as the beginning of 2021 is kind of like the remnants of 2020, you know, and the news that that just came out today. That's just laughable, completely laughable. And you're saying to yourself, man, this is, this is 2020 trying to, you know, this is 2020 on life support while we're in a different year here. (laughs) And, And thankfully, hopefully by the end of the month or middle of the month, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see to it that, you know, it's, it's going to be a new, a new era going forward. And I think that's going to be pretty important to a lot of people's mentality and psyche. Yeah. But again, going back to this, like 1991, finally, 
we can finally yeah. start start crossing those off and then to have it be a Seattle show too is yeah this is this is uh we're we're kind of stepping into new territory here so this is going to be fun we are and we haven't not done Seattle shows before we've done I think the home the home show from uh 2018 the night two show and we did actually I wasn't involved with this but you guys did it you did with Buckley mm-hmm. the uh 11792 show which is a very good show classic yeah absolutely and then we did what was released on vault number 9 the Seattle show from 1993 where they did the full mamason for the yep. last time so yep. we've we've dug into seattle shows before but it feels like some of these shows especially if we get our hands on some early ones we're going to be digging into some very very early raw stuff from the band and and today is just man it this is like their first notable show outside of their first show Yeah, it's a big deal and and two, you know, it's it's one that someone had the foresight to videotape. Like yeah. there's there's the the whole thing is there and it's good quality. It it sounds great. So shout out to that person wherever you are. I mean, god bless Seriously. you being able having having to have that thing on your shoulder the whole time and and capturing this this performance of them right at the time when they were, you know, before that before 10 was about to come out when they were about to break. Like, yeah, this is This is a great historical document if you guys haven't watched this this on YouTube in a while it's worth a worth a look. It absolutely is. It absolutely is and and there isn't a lot of footage from that era especially full show footage that's out there. Uh this is a gem. This is a real gem to go back and and just kind of, you know, glimpse at the band and what the, you know, just them being young. They're so yeah. young at the at the time and and their crowd being young and and uh you know, it's not the kind of crowd that we'd expect from 1991 it's starting to get to that point like it's not very rowdy or anything like that but we uh it's interesting there there are some really interesting moments that that do happen that we'll get to but there's a lot of story going into this and going around this and and for a band that's about to release a big album a big debut album basically a year after they were another band entirely this is this this is happening in august this is four days before 10 was released in uh 10 was released on the 27th the show's on the 23rd uh back in march of 1990 was when andy passed so if you look a year before this a year prior to this stone was still writing a lot of the gosman demos and he was getting prepared for you know putting this band together and and really it came together quite quick Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, yeah, a year before this, Eddie was just w- working at a gas station in San Diego, like nobody knew who he was. So, yeah, it's that it, things were happening really fast back then. Yeah, and and it kind of, you know, the the band got together pretty quickly and obviously Jeff was going to be a part of it once once Mike joined and and convinced Stone, Jeff, you know, Jeff was next on board and then getting Ed and getting Dave Cruzen kind of in there two guys that they didn't really know too well but kind of fit what they were doing it worked and then you know you kind of get down the line here and you go throughout the months and and May 25th and this is pretty important and we're going to get into some drummer this is all about the drummers here um Dave Cruzen on May 25th is basically this is his last day 
as a member of Pearl Jam, essentially. So yeah, right after the, they finish recording ten, yeah, because they, they finish right. recording in May. Right, and that's the end of the that's the single shoot. So I think this is the singles rap party that day at Rock Candy. And uh, there was an altercation, a situation in the after party where Cruzen is clearly battling alcoholism and it was notable. He was having an argument with his girlfriend and he had, I guess, an argument with somebody else uh, backstage or at the after party that was notable. And, you know, I think Stone and, and the guys knew what was going on and they approached him and said, look, I, we think you need to get some help. And they were kind of, you know, no, like they, they wanted to, to help him out as much as possible. But I think they were kind of no nonsense about it where they knew like, look, you, you, we've dealt with this before. We, we know where this is headed and we don't want to be a part of this. So either like, this is a full ultimatum right now. Like you pick one or the other. And it led to him, you know, a mutual parting with the band and it seemed like he got his life on track after that. I don't know much of the history after Pearl Jam and what he's been through with his alcoholism, if he's able to kept uh, keep his addiction behind him. But, um, you know, he did go into rehab after after the situation. Yeah, and I think he they did the right thing. And you think about how many bands that happens with and it's just ignored like they just mm-hmm. they just they just turn the other turn the other cheek and look the other way and it, it never gets addressed and how many and it's, it's amazing that they had the foresight that they knew like they wanted this to be professional they wanted it to be something that that, that could sustain itself and for them I'm, I'm sure that was a tough decision for them to to have to sit him down and be like look you know like you got a problem we got to help you but you know we want to do what we can but you you can't keep doing this like how many, I mean, I'm sure his reaction would there, – there are a lot of people that would be like, wait, have you seen Mudhoney play? Like those guys, like they, they can't even – you know, they can't even play until they're loaded. Like right. you think about Seattle in 1990, 1991, like it's, it was, it's such a unique thing for them to have done that. And, yeah, I think, you know, from, from all we know, he, he did get clean. He, he played drums in Candlebox for a long time. I think he even still He's might still be playing Candle- with Candlebox. Yeah. yeah, so He's still there. I mean, it, it worked out for him, you know, and, and you know, the, we had the famous, like, the, the reunion at the Rock and Hall of Fame where he mm-hmm. came out and played alive again. That was a great moment. So, yeah, I mean, you wonder, you know, what would have happened if 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 they'd been able to, to keep going or if, if, if Pearl Jam, the, the, the rest of the band, had, had, had not taken that step to help him out. Like, it could have been a tragic ending, you know. I'm glad he, he was able to kind of to get his life together, and that might have been a wake-up call that, that made a big difference. Yeah, and and I think you hit the nail on the head with with one of your points there is that the band recognized it right away and they recognized that he 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 did need help and a lot of other bands wouldn't have done that in that situation. I'm thinking, you know, how many different bands in the 80s had drug problems? How many different sure. bands in the 70s? Sure. Like that's the essential rock and roll story right there is, you know, band gets big, starts playing arenas and then, you know, uh, the bassist or the guitar player gets and gets a DUI or, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, has an overdose. Have have done something stupid because they got, I can name 20 off the top of my head. Seriously. Yeah. Bands have done something stupid when they were drunk that could have been avoided. Yeah. It's almost like a prerequisite. Yeah. It's almost like a prerequisite to get into the rock and roll hall of fame to have that. Like you, you, (laughs) It's almost every single popular band 
that has taken the stage. They, they just succumb to that lifestyle. And, and it's kind of, it's almost impossible to ignore it. Yeah. But again, from the beginning, Pearl Jam was about the music. They were not going to put mm-hmm. up with any of that stuff. Like if, if you're not going to be, if you're not in it for the music, then, then we can't have you around. If, that, right. if the music and, isn't number one, then, then we, we we'll find someone who, who it is, who it is number one for. Right. And it kind of goes, you know, to, to later when, you know, they had to deal with another situation, a, a bigger situation. Now this is, this is a guy that had been in the band for five years, you know, Mike, that was dealing with his own addiction problems and, you know, kind of the same thing. Like, how do you work with it with Mike? And, and thankfully, you know, Mike went through a real lot of stuff, but he was able to come out of it with his head on his shoulders and, and come out of it, uh, the bigger band and, and, you know, like imagine if Mike had to be kicked out of Pearl Jam, how much different that would be. I don't, I, I, let's move on from yeah. a different subject. Cause that is just way too depressing yeah. for, for this show. That yeah. is a 2020 subject right there. Ooh. So we're thinking positive here. So uh, let's get back to sort of the timeline that's going on after May 25th. They have about a month to kind of figure things out and uh, they get a temporary drummer in Matt Chamberlain and Matt Chamberlain had just come off of being in a band and he didn't want anything permanent. He agreed to go on tour with them for 10 and that's kind of what they were looking for. And John, you have the story from the PJ 20 book on this, right? Do you want to just read that verbatim? Yeah, they were, you know, and we get all the credit to Jonathan Cohen, who we talked to last year. He was able to, to get under the actual quote from Matt. He says, uh, I'm going to quote here. If you, everyone will turn to page 59 in their in their PJ 20 books. Story time. Yeah, he says uh, I was just there to help out. I didn't even know those guys. Then they basically asked me to uproot everything in my life and join their band that was in a van still. Basically, I just had no connection to them on a personal level or musically. It could have been any drummer. They just needed one. And then he says uh, they were asking for drummers. And, the, and he says, yeah, they were on a mission, but I was just there to help out for a second. I was just an innocent bystander. It just says it just wasn't his thing. Yeah. And, you know, he helped out. He was there. Not many shows. This is the first time that they are kind of going on tour outside of the West Coast, Seattle, Los Angeles, Oregon, Vancouver. Those are kind of some of the only places that they've done up until this point. But uh, July 4th was the first show with him, and July, uh, August 19th was the last show. So he goes on tour with them a little bit, but in the middle of all that, sort of towards the beginning of August, uh, around the time of the Alive music video shoot, which is kind of crazy that you know a temporary drummer was in their first ever music video. Immortalized, shoot. yeah. Exactly, yeah. He's like wearing a tank top or something. It's almost unrecognizable when that that shot gets on him if you just screenshotted that and said what music video is this from i'd probably i don't know is it like sublime Mm -hmm. bush something like that you you would never know just by looking at that one shot uh but that was august 3rd that show i really really wish that we had a copy of that because that is just there's nothing available unfortunately but they did some temple of the dog in the encore and there's just nothing available. So. It says now, and Matt Cameron says I'm on the same page. Cameron says they did film the entire show just in case, so that one's sitting in the vault somewhere. It's sitting. If Atlanta '94 is brought I out know, of the vault, I know. we can bring some more stuff out. So hopefully this can start the campaign. But uh, Dave Dave A was there that night, and he 
was, you know, he was suggested by Matt Chamberlain as he was going through this whole thing, being offered to join the GE Smith band for SNL. And he kind of knew he was on the way out. So he didn't really want to leave the guys high and dry and just say, Hey, now you have no drummer. Now you, you know, go ahead and look for somebody to go out on tour with you. He was able to find somebody down in Dallas. Uh, I think he came from Dallas. I think that's where he came from. And again, we have another story. So why don't you just read it verbatim? Cause I can't explain it any better than that. Sure. So yeah, this is, this is Chamberlain again, uh, quoting here. He says, uh, they were asking for drummers. I thought I could help them out. They didn't know of anybody that would have fit the bill or they would have called that person. He says, I knew this guy in Dallas. I remembered seeing him play around town in a band, kind of like a funk rock thing, as a lot of people were doing back then. He, he says, I thought, wow, this guy has this John Bonham thing going on, but also this great feel. And he says, I didn't know him really well, but for some reason he popped into my head when Stone asked. They never had a cattle call audition because they were just so desperate. They needed someone who was available and willing to move up there. Luckily, Dave was way into it. They flew him up. My drums were still there after the Alive video, and he actually kept using them for a while because it was expensive to get equipment up there. So, yeah, for this show, he could have even been using Chamberlain's drums. I would think that he probably was. Yeah, Yeah, that's what it seems like. So, yeah, everything just kind of with this band, it just everything just kind of happens so instantaneously where, you know, even going back to Ed, like, okay, you know, we sent, he sent him the tape and, and he's up in October and, and basically a week or two later, they're, they're playing their first show. And that's kind of not too far off of what's going on here in the other direction where they're maybe more established and they have songs together. And Dave A has to, has to just learn these songs and kind of get the album in order. But there's, you know, there's no, there's no sleep for this there. You know, this is, this is pretty much instantaneous. Yeah, for, you know, because we, you know, you mentioned, you know, we know that, that Dave flew up to see that that Rock Candy show on the 3rd, but then it, from, from what I'm reading here, it looks like he went back to Dallas after that, and then they flew him back up after the 15th, after Chamberlain officially, you know, told them he wasn't going to be able to tour with them, and so, yeah, he had, like, eight days to, <laughs> to practice with them. I would, like, yeah. we, we know, like, we know a lot about that October 90, it's, though you know that those first weeks with ed it's been well documented but i i I can imagine that this week like before this show was just as intense for them like having to really get into it and i yeah i would love to get some more information about that oh of course yeah and and you have to think at this point dave is joining an established band and he's learning things that have already developed and he's he's sort of adapting to something that's already existing ed in a completely different situation, I think, where they were formulating while he was he was flying up and joining, and they were sort of developing around him while he came up. For Dave having to come in, and especially with with the album already been being recorded, like that's such a tough situation for him to come into. Like a lot of people would be like, "Oh yeah, you know, I'll join your band, but I want to go re-record those songs and like have my own thing on it." For him to come in. For them to say, oh, yeah, you know, and I'm sure they probably had rough mixes of 10 or they had the, you know, the, the finished thing they, they could give them to, to play along with. But that's so tough as a as someone joining a band who you're you're replacing a person who's who's already recorded something. They're already on tape and you're having to feel like, well, you know, it's kind of did, well, did they want me to just copy this guy or am I allowed to put my own thing on this or what's kind of like I'm I'm new, but I 
I feel like I can add something songs like I'm, I really want to know like how those conversations went and like you know that's that's stressful on someone to join a band you know because the album wasn't released you know they were still kind of an unknown quantity at this time like 10 you mentioned like right. there's there's not a lot of activity at the show this is probably the last show that Pearl Jam played where people just stood there and didn't jump around and move like it's almost right. weird to see them bust through these songs and people just kind of standing there like and you know there's there's clapping and stuff after but no one knows the words like no one's singing along like it's it's very strange and yeah for th- for an album to be to be coming out four days later and to break out a new drummer like this that's almost unheard of it's very tough to do yeah yeah for sure and it feels like every situation that's been thrust upon them where they've had to kind of react on the fly they've sort of they've turned into they've just been them and they've kind of rolled with all these punches how many like you said how many bands have have dealt with this but also how many bands have have thrived off of that and have put together you know great music and great shows with all these changes i don't think that happens with any other band i think most other bands probably say well, look, you know, let the album come out, but, you know, whenever we're ready to go on tour, we'll be ready to go on tour. Like, as consummate professionals, they went out there and they said, okay, let's get this guy, let's get this guy prepped, let's get Dave prepped, let's get Mm -hmm. him knowing the music, and uh, we got to go sell an album. So that's so important to get out there, and, and, uh, you know, especially 10 on its first release wasn't selling a million copies in its first week like Versus did, or Vitalogy. Or, like, even, like, you know, Nevermind, had just come out too. And that was in the process yeah. of kind of blowing up at this time too. So yep. yeah. And, and, and going back, I mean, we know, you know, there is a re-recorded version of even flow with Dave A that they use for the video. So I, I would be curious to know like when that happened, like when, when was that done in that week, you know, like did he hear right. that song and maybe like, Oh, you know, I feel like I can do something different with this. And they, they felt good enough about it. Cause that even flow video, I think I know alive was the first one, but, the even flow one was shortly after, so that it had to have that been was done. January. It that had was to have that, been done very quickly. The aforementioned uh, yeah. January seventeenth show. So yeah, yeah but I, they, I think but the audio, a lot of it is from that re-recorded version with with Dave. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of really interesting things, and and there are some stories that obviously we would love to know at some point in the future and uh you know like we'll we'll be doing this and covering this stuff all year so hopefully we'll get some answers at some point before we get into the set list uh let's uh let's kind of do our patreon stuff now because we have some things in, in case you haven't been following along and and you didn't listen happen to listen to our clip show episode that was the best of 2020 show uh you know we've completely changed up what we're doing and i think i had alluded to 2021 being a different year for us and being kind of a changing of the guard and it's so much more than that like i'm gonna john i'm gonna let you kind of describe what we're doing with the concert chronology because that's i mean that's that's your wheelhouse right there so what what tell everybody what we're doing (laughs) yeah so you know we we talked about it you know with Everybody, you know, I remember back in the day, you know, Five Horizons, that was the gold standard. You know, they had the concert chronology where, you know, they went through every single show. There's notes on every show. There's a set list. It's 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 such an invaluable resource. And then when when they weren't able to keep up with it, they passed it on to Two Feet Thick. And there's a still around that they carried it on through 2012, 2013, 2014. But then it kind of dropped off and like no one no one picked it up. 
you know there there wasn't anyone there at the time to 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 take it over and and to carry that that torch so you know we were we were talking last year and and you know we've been doing the show and that's you know we use them as a as a nice resource for this and we kind of i kind of feel like what we do is could really fit in well with a concert chronology so had the idea like let's let's try to let's try to bring that back and keep it going so what we're going to do is we're going to fill in the gaps of of what wasn't covered on live on four legs.com and we're going to be working on uh continuing the concert chronology filling in the gaps of, of you know we we've uncovered set list on this on this show we, we've got our we've got our live on four legs detective agency and you know we've had some things that have come out like you know the Atlanta '94 sound check, things like that that have been released since then that that need to be documented and need to be added to that thing. So I'm really looking forward to it. We want to make it. We want to make it as best we can. We've got so many people that have that have signed up to help out, and yeah, we have a new a new tier on our Patreon for ten dollars a month. We called it the Horizon Leg, kind of a tribute to Five Horizons, and that that'll help us out with with some of the website costs and everything because we're going to be doing this building this from scratch. You know, we're going to be writing show reviews and we, we really want to make it special. So that's something if people are interested in that they can jump in on. Absolutely. And, you know, just to kind of go over what you get from some of the tiers now, we now have three tiers. The bonus leg and the giga leg tier are still there. And through the bonus leg, we've kind of, you know, bonus leg gets everything that is on Patreon. Every exclu- Everybody that's on Patreon gets all the exclusive episodes. Through the bonus leg, you can join us on our set list drafts, any of our extracurricular activities that we, uh, that we decide to do. That's all available to everybody that joins. But now the bonus leg no longer has uh, show selections. So that is bumped up to the giga leg. So if you're a giga leg, the $5 donation, you're able to select a show for us to cover uh, in the future. And this is most of what we're going to be doing in 2021 outside of the Seattle series is going to be patron requested episodes. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of different array of, of eras and things like that. Can't wait to get to all that. And then right. obviously and, like and John, we, sh- we should say too, sorry, if, if you, if you joined last year, you're still grandfathered in on that at yes. $1. We're still going to get to your episode where we're not, we're not cutting those off at the beginning. You know, if we've already talked to you and you're in the $1 tier by getting your episode, you're still going to get it. 100%. And, you know, let's, let's consider this episode, the cutoff point where anybody that has joined afterwards is now getting, and, and honestly, like a dollar goes so long. It goes, it's such a long way. Uh, you know, oh, yeah. every, every donation counts so for much. this. Absolutely. Absolutely. We have so many people that just donate a dollar to this and it's so, I mean, like it, it just goes a long way to us doing things like when we are shipping out mass and stuff like that, it goes towards shipping costs and, and getting the cost of manufacturing in for, for masks and, and shirts, whatever else we, we have coming down the pipe for later. So like all of that stuff is very important to what we're doing. So there's no, that that's why we want to make sure that they are for the bonus like people, you are getting everything on Patreon and getting to be a part of this community as much as possible. So that's really the only differences that are between the legs, the giga leg, you still get an episode that's dedicated to you. And then the horizon leg with that, you get to kind of be 
an executive producer on this project that we're doing on the live on four legs concert chronology. You get your name on the site. We'll do a profile for you on the site. And, uh, next week we will actually have, uh, our first fan profile. They're going to be exclusive to our Patreon where basically you get to, to come on the episode and tell your whole entire Pearl Jam story, which who doesn't want to do that? Like that's focused solely on you. And, uh, and, you know, even for people that don't donate but want to help and want to contribute to uh, doing the concert chronology, we can always use the help uh, as many hands on board as possible. We're just starting to get, you know, get in people involved and start to, to kind of get the, the wheels in motion here to, to get the information out there. So for anybody that wants to join, just send us an email live on four likes podcast at gmail.com or, you know, DM us on our social media pages, whatever you feel comfortable with. We're, you know, we will respond to whatever you send to us. So that's not a problem at all. Um, but also I just want to real quick, there were so many people and this kind of came from the party that we threw over the holidays and we made this an announcement during that party and so many people came through and were like, okay, I'm jumping from bonus leg or jumping from giga leg to horizon leg. And we were just amazed and shocked and so thankful and humbled that so many people have changed. So I just want to go through and thank all of the people that have changed tiers since then. Uh, starting Aurelian Moreau changed, uh, Patrick Bagel, Jason Corbin, Adrian Peterson, Chris Everett, Curtis Hames, Sean Raskis, Clay Davis, Gabe Spies, David Ritter, Danny King, Steve McCallum, and Joey Goodsir. Like that, I, that's so, it's just incredible. I, I, I have no words, but thank you so much. And I hope you know, I hope this is worth it, and I hope you all get the same kind of satisfaction that we're getting out of this because it's just, it's incredible. So, like, we're the plan is not to let you down. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Uh, and then we had uh, in a major uptick increase of new patrons as well uh, that we want to thank here. So, a big thank you go out to all these people: Hillary Wood, Andrew Taylor, Jenny G. Justin Wilson, who you might remember from our deprogrammed episodes, uh, Greg Schwab, Anita Stelmasiak, Mary Weber, an anonymous donor from the bonus leg, thank you, and Chris Davis. So thank you to all of those people. We have reached 80 patrons. Wow. Which is thank you guys kind so much. of incredible. That's amazing. Yeah. For a completely niche podcast through a niche fandom uh, that's, uh, that's special. That's really something special. So we just thank everybody so much for just your interest in being a part of this. Definitely. That, that just blows my mind. Thank you guys so much. That's all I can say. We'll keep growing. We'll keep trying to do as much as we can for you guys. And, and again, this just is just going to make us want to do more exclusive episodes to Patreon and more evolution episodes, continue doing drafts. And, and there are so many people on Patreon that haven't done a draft yet. Like that is probably one of the coolest things that we offer. So get in touch with us. If you want to do any, anything, get involved in anything. We are, we are more than welcome to have you aboard. Let's get into the show, man. This is a good one. All right, let's do it. Yeah, we, uh, this is at the Mural Amphitheater, as we mentioned before, but it's also the final showcase in 1991 of the Sounds of Seattle series that they were doing at the time. Do you know anything about what 
was going on Seattle sounds of Seattle series? Do you know other bands that were playing it? Did like a mud honey did Soundgarden or Nirvana did, were they all bands that were involved with, with this little, uh, that's a good question. Yeah. I don't know. I can't think it was, I got to think there were some stinkers in there as well. There's probably some oh, very forgettable, some, cause I, I got to think it was, there are probably a lot of like funk rock bands, a lot of like hippie bands, like, mm-hmm a lot of like kind of jam bands type of thing. Cause there were all kinds of those bands in Seattle. Like it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't all like heavy rock. So yeah, I, I, I think there's probably a reason we don't have a list of that. I think there were probably a lot of forgettable <laughs> bands. Yeah. And they changed the name of the series and I, and now I, I didn't write it down. So I forgot what they changed it to, but they changed the name of the series, but it was run by a radio station and uh, basically everybody got sort of their, their spotlight. And you would think that Pearl Jam at the time is either opening or if they're closing shows, at least, you know, other bands are kind of in attendance. This is, this is them. This is just them. Oh, it's in, it's in the daytime. Like it's, it's light outside. They have the spotlight. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very cool. And as we'll talk about later, it's, it's like right in front of uh, the, uh, the Space Needle, so like the surroundings are just so cool, and to see all the kids in front, very very young crowd, of course, and uh, yeah, everybody's everybody's super super into it, even though people aren't necessarily moshing or crowd surfing. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll get to that later. Uh, and right off the bat, they're going to kick off the show with the song that's going to kick off the album that comes out in a couple of days. <laughs> performances per se i thought that every performance from the show was pretty spot on for what i expect from that era and if not spot on just you know in some moments just kind of blew me away from how good it was and i'm trying to to think of what moments were of dave a's that i noticed like hey maybe like he played this a little bit differently than he would play it in the past and i just I didn't get I didn't get that sense at all. I got the sense that like he kind of knew everything and felt pretty comfortable and I got that right off the bat with this. Yeah, and that's that's a testament to him too, like to to be able to to join this kind of fully formed entity in the middle like again like we said after the album's been recorded, after they have these songs finished and to be able to just jump in and yeah, you see him already kind of kind of establishing his sound like the powerful snare hits that he's known for, the work on the hi-hats that he's known for, like all that stuff is is here already. So they it, they were they were kind of lucky to to find him and find someone that could jump in and, and kind of fit in right away. And yeah, I mean once is and again you're you're gonna get a lot of straight versions because again this is his first show. 
they've they're kind of sticking to album versions you know where we're, they're not anywhere where you know we're going to get any long improvs or anything because it's, it's his first show the album hasn't even come out yet people don't don't know these songs but yeah I, i'm i'm kind of with you like a, the performances are, are not to say stale or boring but they're there's there's just they're just kind of by the book which is again an amazing feat for for the drummer's first show yeah that's don't don't take that the wrong way yeah and i think a lot of what sticks out about this performance and not not just being you know an encapsulation of the band in such a very early raw stage but like you get to see ed and he's a baby face and he's just running around all over the place. And Mike and Jeff are very energetic. And just to see that it, it kind of, and, and know kind of what performers they've evolved into in their, their elder statesman age. Like it just, y- you love kind of going back and, and finding this and seeing that Ed was jumping all over the amplifiers and kind of, you know, amping up the crowd and, and coming out with that energy. Like, that's mm-hmm. so important when it came yeah, to this Yeah, and you, you, you get the moment, you know, we should mention too, this is their their first outdoor show. Like, they've only played, yeah. like, little clubs before this. And you see he kind of has that moment where he kind of looks up at the sky. He's like, I'm paraphrasing. He kind of says, oh, we've waited so long to, to play out here. Mm-hmm. And he, he kind of points at his, his wrist and be like, look, there's no stamp. Like, I'm not in a club. There's no <laughs> stamp on my arm. It's a great yeah. feeling. I'm free. Um, yeah, they, they were just having fun. And, like, again, they were they were kind of in an embryonic, stage where they were just about to break like once that album came out like like we mentioned it, it was a slow burn but again like then people started to know the songs and you have that that group of people that that starts it starts building and building and word of mouth spreads and then you get those those videos that captured them playing live and that made people jump on that was that was a big thing and yeah like it it just kept on going and yeah to see this crowd like just kind of standing around watching like uh, and you wonder like what was going through their heads like to be able to see them at the stage like it's it's oh it's so interesting like you I almost you wish you could have been there you know it's just one of those shows where you would have loved to like get in the get in the time machine and go back in and just just hang out there for a little while absolutely absolutely and i think another important thing too you know just knowing that the album is about to come out like most bands would be super tight and come out and be like all right you know, we have to be impressing people. And it just doesn't feel like that was on anybody's mind. It doesn't feel like they were overthinking the fact that they had a new drummer. It doesn't feel like they were out to impress 4,000 new fans that might be seeing them at Rock Candy or at the Crocodile Cafe in a month. Yeah. It doesn't feel like that at all. It just feels extremely, incredibly loose. So They, they must I have had a, so really, a really good week of, of rehearsals. Yeah, that's all I can yeah. attribute that to. Yeah, for sure. And and maybe going through their minds, especially, you know, Ed and Mike, you know, Shadow had an album that was released, but I don't know how much it was distributed. But like this is the first time Ed has ever had anything distributed. And, mm-hmm. and like this is a huge high point for him at this time. So, yeah, very cool stuff. Um, uh, let's let's play a little fashion police here. Um, there are two things that stick out to me. One the Getty Lee cosplay. <laughs> What's that? I didn't even notice. Oh, Stone looks exactly like Getty Lee. Oh, does he? Yeah, I mean, he's like little Coke bottle glasses oh, and okay. and the uh, the shoulder length hair and and you know he's he's got like a sweater on. He he just looks exactly like Getty Lee for some reason. Hmm. 
And uh, and then Mike, a little bit less, but he's wearing like that same kind of Stevie Ray Vaughan oh, yeah. style hat with the, the, the know, big the big top the hat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know they're they're paying. Maybe they're. I, I know Mike is definitely paying tribute to Stevie oh, yeah. Ray, but you know is Stone paying tribute to to Getty Lee with that kind of luck? Or he just being Stone? I don't know. He was. This, this was in of, his. This was still in his discovering sarcasm phase. So who knows? Right. Right. Hey, did we ever mention that Dave A got a tattoo, like, literally, basically after this show? Like, not this show, but then after the next show, he got yeah, the yeah. Stickman tattoo? Yeah. That's I'm just going to throw that out there, because it's just, you know, it just goes to show how excited he was to be a part of this, and how highly he saw this this band, and, and how much he... He really relished in the excitement of, of being yeah, in a, a band that he there, thought was There's such an energy. Band. I mean, when when you're in a band like that and you know you've got good songs and you know you can go out and destroy a crowd, like you know there there's you know they were aware of the power that they had live. They knew they could go out and and play good shows. Like there's an energy around that man, and it's it's contagious. Yeah. Like and for you know I gotta feel like he just jumped in on that and felt it immediately. And yeah, like there's 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 no better way to do it he, you know you you want you want to keep that with you forever man i i totally get it absolutely absolutely and and you know what you know even even though it didn't last a long time it's definitely one of the most special times in the band from 91 until 90 94 so yeah we we do have that and it is it is some of the prime best Pearl Jam moments that that we can think of and you know going down the line here this this 91 like, can't get much better than this. So, uh, State of Love and Trust follows once. It's not loud enough, is it? Especially back there, it's really quiet. They're playing two songs in the set that aren't even on the record. And to me, that's like, is, is there anything more Pearl Jam than that? Yeah. Yeah, of any show, you'd think they would want to come out and just play it front to back and just, like, oh, showcase yeah. it. Like, And a lot of bands would, would take that commercial mindset and be like, hey, this is our record. And, like, they'd mention it after every song. Like, hey, we're playing our new record. It comes out Friday. Go, go check it out, you know? Like, it comes out whatever Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever it was. But... Yeah, like that's again that that's not their mentality. That's that's not how they make the set list. So, yeah, state of love and trust right here. Very cool. They'd only played it seven times up to this point. It was debuted in July. I think this was debuted at, if not Chamberlain's first show, then his second show at City in Boston. And I think it, was the uh, tenth it just kind of took a. Yeah, yes, it was. I think originally, because we didn't know that set list originally, and then a few years ago, that bootleg started circulating around. So, yeah, that that we have learned. Because for a long time, people thought that the debut of State of Love and Trust was uh, was from Dobbs in Philly. Yeah, and this one's still uh, got that kind of mid-tempo feel. It it hadn't quite kicked into overdrive yet. It's still got that kind of groove to it. But I mean, you love it. You oh, love yeah. it, though. Like yeah. you love going back and listening to this version because it is so much different. And now it's just kind of like, okay, it stays the same, like just energetic pace, you know, from the bridge until the end. But here, like they open it up for Jeff, and Jeff just hits that bass line, and you're like, whoa, 
oh boy, now you're building to something, you're leading into something, and you get Mike playing that little solo part. Dave's hitting pretty hard in this too, so like this is this is a cool moment. This is a this is a great performance from this. Yeah, and Ed, you know, flailing around in a circle. I think he just trips and falls over himself. Oh yeah, kind of near the end. That that was that was really great. I, you know, he, and he, he doesn't even care. He's just like, oh, hey, you're you're in it. You're having a moment. Like, you know, he's not embarrassed. He just gets up. Like, all right, cool. Right. And we did mention before. We mentioned a little bit about singles. Singles is filmed at this point. I would assume that they know that State of Love and Trust and Breath are both being used for the album. So, yeah, get these songs out there and get them in people's minds, especially, you know, the local crew. So the locals kind of know, like, okay, well, I, I've i heard this song before. You know, maybe the next time they see them live, they say it. And But I know it's not on the record, but it kind of feels like it's one of my songs. And then when it gets big, they're like, oh, I remember this. I remember this from the Earl Amphitheater. And, and that's like been their so. MO from the beginning, too. If we, we've got new stuff, let's play it. You know, back then, yep. you know, you didn't have to worry about the internet. You didn't have to worry about someone, you know, that the guy, the guy's videotaping it. But they, they're not worried about that getting out. You know, you have a new song, let's play it. Let's play the new songs. Let's keep moving forward. Let's, let's keep keep pushing, keep pushing, keep, keep working. So, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. We're in January, but I got a baseball analogy. The player, best players. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, the managers felt like this was one of their stronger songs. So, yeah. Yep. Managers always say, like, look, you know, maybe... Maybe we'll play a lefty against a righty or something like that and kind of play the percentages. But, you know, sometimes you just got to play, put your best team on the field. And, and that's kind of what the set list feels like for sure, even though you're losing release and oceans and a couple of those good songs off 10. But this really fits the time. So following State of Love and Trust is Even Flow. And man, you know at the time this song is going to be a keeper. You know that, you know, they feel and you can kind of have the sense from the crowd that, you know, it gets, especially at the end, it kind of gets a little bit more of a head bob than something like Once It's Stable Love Trust. It, it just it has that feel like it, it grasps people's attention a little bit more than some of the other songs in this. Yeah, and it, again, you, these early versions, like you can tell from the first note when it crashes in, like this is going to be a good version. They definitely feel, uh, you know, Ed and Jeff just bouncing around, like lo- loved it, loved it. And it's, it's short. Like, look, you listen to this version of Evenflow, and it's probably shorter than the album version. There's not a lot going on in the solo. Uh, they just kind of, Mike does a little bit, and then they break right back into the final chorus. And this is this is not one where, you know, you bring up the bathroom break or whatever you want to bring up during Evenflow. This is not one where Mike is going off for six minutes or even a couple minutes. It's just very short but very effective. Absolutely, and yeah, and, you, and you, we've kind of forgotten like the the initial power of the song, and it was, it was good to go back and kind of feel that again. Like like I mentioned from that from that first note, like you're used to just crash in so hard, and it, it was good to it was good to feel that again. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Sometimes you kind of lose sight of that. Absolutely. Uh, look in California, feel in Minnesota. We get a little snippet about outshined. That's a preview of the new Soundgarden record. They did this a lot where they just kind of threw that line in or a line in from Outshined in in the middle of their set and they never actually played the song. It was just kind of, you know, one of those things where you just kind of get on mic in between songs and just kind of bullshit. No. 
the next song in the set is Garden, and I noticed something before they played the song. It hops off the stage for a second, and it was real quick, but it looked like some smoke puffed into the air after he <laughs> went back on the stage. Yeah. Did he just drop out and take a drag of something and, and pop be. back in? Could be. Maybe someone from the from the from the crowd offered it to him, you know? I yeah. I, it was tough to tell because there it was right in front of where the camera was and there were just too many heads that were in front of the camera, but it was real quick. It was kind of a blink and you miss it kind of thing. And I can't think of anything else that Ed would have jumped down for. He didn't they he didn't throw anything on the floor that that hit the bottom of the stage or anything like that but yeah. after seeing the puff of the cigarette or or whatever else you have to think maybe that was it yeah i think you're right so interesting interesting and uh maybe that's not the last time he's done that <laughs> so garden is like state of love and trust it's only the eighth performance of the song and it's kind of crazy to think because they've had what 40 shows before this Give or take. Not, yeah which is is a lot to for a band that that's really only been around for nine ten months or so but uh, you know like garden feels like it's part of this newer era of songs garden jeremy why go feels like they all kind of and state of love and trust kind of all feel like they came in a little bit later and i man i love this version i really got into this version and especially what mike was doing in that into that bridge oh, yeah. where Oh, that solo, and then going in, it transitions into just a really, really nice moment. It sounds great at the end, just extending that outro for just a little bit longer and just kind of keeping it going. I wonder if that was just something on the fly where they were just kind of feeling it, because usually Garden doesn't have that much of an extended ending. It just I think that was off the field. That's what that felt like to me. Yeah, this, this felt to me because the bridge is a little heavier. It almost reminded me is like foreshadowing that that kind of redone version that they would do where the sound guard yeah where they really took it into a like kind of a head banging direction this is this is a little bit of that so i wonder if you know i'd, I'd love to to hear like what the you know we don't really know like why they decided to change it why they decided to go back i don't think they've ever talked about it but if that was kind of a maybe that wasn't such a new thing maybe it was kind of a throwback to the to the really old 91 versions that's cool
to, and if I have, it hasn't been recently, so I don't know if they were going more heavy, heavy live with the song, but you have to think a lot of that influence comes from how Dave is sounding and how he's progressing with the song. So, and like we don't, we don't have a lot of other recordings from this from around this time. That's so, yeah, exactly. We were trying to find another Seattle recording that wasn't the off-ramp and wasn't this. I think there's only one other show that was a Seattle show, and maybe we'll get to it at some point. Maybe we'll do it as an exclusive or something like that. But um, yeah, we want to try to get to every Seattle show as much as we can during during this year. So hang on tight for that. All the good ones are happening. Trust me. Uh, this is where Ed says, doesn't it feel good that there's no stamp on anybody's wrist today? Freedom. And that goes into Alive. said with uh, with Matt Chamberlain and the band knows what the song is going to turn into and already think very highly of it this you know this is the this is this to me like this is the era for this where they're just like okay let's see let's see what happens with the song and let's see how people react to it and it's kind of like even flow you kind of feel the crowd into it a little bit more than a few of the other songs it feels like it's one of the more special ones and and you, you know how it goes you know what the song is it's their most popular song it's their most revered song and it has that special feel from it very early on yeah it already had that anthemic quality and i think there, there's a moment for me there like when because the song at this point still has that kind of quiet part where that, that second verse where kind of other band kind of mm-hmm. gets down real low and his voice kind of takes over and when he's singing he's he's got his arms crossed and he's kind of looking up and like it's such an iconic moment like I would love to have like a poster of that shot yeah. you know of him looking up because be cool. like if you could get like the space needle in the background or something like just you feel kind of think about what he was going like they're playing outside he's they're they're kind of like you said like they're they're about to break you've got this energy and like he's you just wonder like all the stuff that was going on in his head when he was singing that it's such a cool moment just i don't i just wanted to like freeze frame on that image for a second i'm like yeah if, if somebody out there can can like make screen posters or something like i would love to get like a shot of that it's so cool well now you're putting it in people's heads oh, here know, you know, know. You know that the people that listen to the show, they're creative minds, and uh, maybe if we hit on the right buttons, maybe we will be seeing that in our inbox at some point. Very in the cool, future. very cool. So, yeah, it would be very cool, but it's still, uh, you know, just a, a top tier performance. Absolutely. Like, you're just not used to these songs being played in less than four minutes either. Like, they're through five songs, and it's what, 20 minutes into the set, 15 minutes into the set? Not very long. So, you know, it, it is a different feel when you're listening to 91 in comparison to listening to 2016 or something like that. Yeah. So, okay, the most that I had from any song in the set was actually Black. And 
that's because this was the fourth performance of this. And say that again. Let's not let's not skim over that. Think about that. <laughs> okay. All right. This is only the fourth performance of Black. Wow. Let's go back to October twenty second, nineteen ninety. It's played that night. So how many months is that? That's ten months, almost to to the date. They only played Black two other times in between. Yeah, they had just brought and it yes. back at the Wetlands on what July seventeenth. So they'd only brought it back like just over a month before this. So how many times did Dave K play it? Once. <laughs> that was the off ramp was Dave's yeah. Dave K's only time. Yeah. Wow. And then in the studio. Right. Yeah. Ten, yeah. So there's a couple different schools of thought here. The first one is that if you want to roll up the crowd and you want them to get into it and kind of feel what Pearl Jam should be. And a lot of these sets are, you know, eight songs, maybe less, maybe, maybe nine, one more. The idea of what a Pearl Jam set usually at this point doesn't include black, but they see highly of the song that it's on the album. And the other school thought is that I've heard before is that Ed was so emotionally attached to the song. You can see it in his eyes in this. You can see where the mood just shifts from a live being so energetic and full. And like you said, that, that pose that he made to black where his eyes, like he's kind of sunk into himself. Like the, the, the crowd is invisible to him. The band is invisible to him. And this is him sharing a moment with himself and digging into something kind of deep there. And that could be, there could be something to that. Cause I think it was drop in the park where he actually mentioned, Hey, we're playing this song, but we don't play this one a lot. Right. Like he actually, he actually said that. So I would have to venture to believe that they, or at least Ed doesn't want to give this song a lot of life because he is still working through some of the emotions going through the song. Yeah, that could be in a, it could have been like maybe, you know, they, they played it at off ramp and then they kind of fell out with it. Like, Oh, you know, we want to kind of start playing the faster ones and the more energetic ones. Like this song's kind of a slow burn. It's kind of got a little bit of a build to it. It might not be suitable for like a small club with, with 50 or hundred people, you know, that might, might not get, might not get a good reaction, but I'm sure when they were recording it, yeah, I'm sure that, oh, can, would you would you have loved to have been in the room when they recorded this at, at London Bridge for, for 10? Like, would have been amazing. And, yeah, like, maybe that kind of spurred something and then, you know, brought it back with Chamberlain a few times. And, and it's funny because after this, they – you see it like on when the tour starts it's it's almost every night so yeah they definitely it definitely you know sparks something there's even a cbgb show at some point in november 91 that's one we should really touch up on at some point and they open the show with black. Well, yeah. Yeah. so like yeah it's starting to it's starting to be put in a favor here and you know th- this is probably the beginning of that and the beginning of the coming to to terms that like okay this is a song that maybe people that could mean more than what it means maybe it can reach out to so much so many more people and be part of a healing process the same way that alive is talked about later the same way that something like light years and love book captain those songs would be talked about later. like that's that's what black ultimately 
became, and maybe they're thinking about that in that light at the show for sure. There's there's definitely tapping into some lingering pain here, and oh boy, you know how much I love this. It's the unplugged version. time they played the song I would just be a man in heaven and I mean you don't get it too much you get it a couple times in both 91 92 you'd have to think this is probably the first one or at least the first one that we know of yeah so very cool you aren't gonna get such a such a good song and again this was the one that grabbed me when I when I got 10 this was instantly my favorite song on this record that's, and that's crazy because you were like a 13, 14 year old. So to gravitate towards the more emotional one, yeah, that's that's really that's special. Uh, but yeah, you're not you're not getting an extended version of this. You're not getting do 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 do. You're not getting crowd participation. It's not close to that point yet. But this is the slowly evolving stages of the song when it's in the pre-album drop. You can see how mid-set it becomes sort of. The, the change of mood and, the, and the, the shift and then once you kind of get out of that you can go into something like a deep which it kind of gets a little bit angry and you build that wave back up and start to crash that wave with some of these songs after this so yeah I think it's after the album that comes out and people maybe start reacting to it and they said you know what this is fucking good this is one of your best songs off the album which arguably it is so yeah and I always mention the story too where the you know Epic wanted them to do a video for it and they were they were like you know the, the quote is you know oh, this it'll be, it's bigger than Jeremy bigger than anything and they just refused like nope not gonna do it, it it's, he says I think the quote is it's, it's not meant to be heard between hit number two and hit number three that's true uh, 100% right and they were smart for doing it that way I, I can't agree more any other band would have just fell in line uh, prior to Deep, uh, Ed does a little bit of a dedication to Freddie Mercury. Uh, Freddie would pass away that October, and this was obviously in a stage of his life where he was very, very sick. And I know that uh, Ed is a huge Queen fan, and uh, definitely during this time, it got a lot of publicity that, that Freddie Mercury was sick. And I think it was the beginning of people starting to realize how important uh, AIDS and HIV were. So. You know, just I, I actually I, I remember that. Like I remember really? when when Freddie Mercury died and thinking about it like and again being just a kid like 13, 14 years old, like what what is like and I don't think it came out that he that he had had AIDS until after he died, maybe even. I actually think because I read up a little bit about it, and I think literally two days before he died he, he right. said something. Right. But everybody kind of I, I remember knew. seeing that and then it kind of being uh being like a touchstone woman like I didn't I grew up in like you know rural you know suburban Georgia like I didn't know a lot about AIDS I didn't know anyone that had AIDS and that was right. kind of a big turning point like wow like the okay this is a this is something it can like, hit everybody it's it's like it's like a, a growing up I remember like because that was like kind of a, a thing that like kind of kick-started my teenage years like okay 
like I, I'm I'm now becoming aware of something that's very grown sure. up and very adult. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's that's a great point. Absolutely. And I wonder because if he's dedicating the song at this point, there has to be some news out there that you know he's he's not doing well, and maybe it's not released at this point that he had AIDS, but you know maybe people are kind of wondering. So, um, yeah, this gets us. I kind of lumped these two songs in together because the transition was really good, deep into Why Go, and uh, man, this is just one of those another one of those signs where you feel. Dave is pretty comfortable with playing with the band. Those two songs, they just, they flow into each other so well, so perfectly. It has a little bit of like, they almost feel like they're going to go and, and descend into madness, but they don't. And instead, Dave kind of just like picks it up and goes right into that drum beat of Wyco. And it feels, that feels like such a big moment. If there's any runaways in the crowd, this is your song. So again, another one that that you talked about with with Garden and Wygo and kind of Jeremy and that maybe kind of because it's a later. This was this was not done at Offramp, right? No, right. No. So I think this was yeah, a kind of in that one of them that maybe kind of jumped on later. And again, another one that you see it after the show. You see it almost every night when they mm-hmm. when they would go on the tour the next month. And yeah, like this is you know Ed definitely intense, maybe coming off of black. I think he he falls off the monitor at some point. He's just spinning around, just really like kind of spiraling you know for for in both senses of the word and oh yeah why go like hey, talk about stone the, the, he he ungetty leaves the sunglasses the glasses come <laughs> off ed and ed there's another cool moment that i would i would love to just kind of freeze frame where oh yes ed ed does like the why like he kind of turns off mike and you can even kind of snarl it like oh it's such a cool moment and then you know, he's doing the, the Roger Daltrey mic swings, like the huge mic swings, you know. Yep. And then, yeah, Mike just comes in and just rips the song apart. This is this is a great version of Why Go. Yeah, I, I, I think the thing that I noticed the most from Ed, where he has a little bit of, mo- of a moment with the camera, and he gets a good glimpse into the camera, and he's sort of like, he's singing directly to you, the audience, and he kind of gives a little bit of a wink, too. I, and I wrote at this point whoever did the camera work for this is just they're they are a martyr they are a martyr oh my and, god and you I, mean, I, I should mention too we, we forgot to mention at the beginning if you stick to the very very end of the video oh it's great uh, someone we'll comes up it. and is like he's like did you get that whole thing let me get your address like oh tape trading man you gotta love it now why would he want his address wouldn't cause you cause you gotta send like you gotta send like the stamps for the you gotta to get the tape back okay Okay, see, I, w- I would have been like, hey, here's my address. Just send it to me. I, okay, I see where you're coming from now. But the 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 cameraman didn't seem to pay him any mind. He was just like, no, screw off. I'm going to go this way. 
So yeah. If you're but, out there, please, please email us. I would yeah, love to talk to you. That would be so cool. That would be so cool. And I wonder. I, I did wonder if they were affiliated with the band in any way, but it just seemed like they were just a fan because yeah. the guy, I think, towards the end shows that he got a pick or something like that. So. Oh yeah, it'd be so cool if it was if it was Kevin, like the the merch guy that they talked yeah. to, Kevin Shuss, or if it was, uh, you know, just somebody in the crew or something. Yeah, that that would have been very cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, and you know that, and everybody that's been there from the beginning has stayed there basically. So yep. they're one big happy family. Uh, this is the point where Ed says we've been looking forward to playing outside for a long time. And this song is about if you love somebody, tell them if you appreciate somebody, tell them. And that's why I'm telling you that I appreciate you right now. And that is Porch. One, two, three, it's very, very early stages of the Ed Antics. He has a moment where he gets up on the amplifiers during the bridge. And he looks, it looks like he's on top of the world. It really does. It looks like he is just at the happiest moment of his life at that point. Where he can't see the gears turning. Like he wanted Mm -hmm. to, he, for a second he was like, oh, should I jump or should I climb on something? Like you could see and you could see his brain spinning around, like looking for like that mischievous kind of look that he gets. Like what kind of trouble can I get into right now? Right. But he's also thinking, I, I also can see him thinking to himself like, wow, this is, I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't believe I'm in a moment outdoors and a venue where, you know, we're right in front of the Space Needle and he kind of looks up to the Space Needle too and I'm wondering if maybe he's thinking, hey, can I jump off that someday? Uh, (laughs) And this is a song that he wrote too, like to to have his song being being played during this moment. Yeah, 100%. Right, so I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot going on here. There's definitely a lot going on here. No, it's not. There's not huge antics. It's not. He doesn't jump into the crowd like Pink Pop. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't do anything too crazy like like drop in the park. But this is starting to show a side of him that like okay, he's kind of gonna be a little bit ambitious when it comes to porch, and he's gonna do something a little bit crazy. So you know, he jumps off the amps, and it seems like it's a pretty far jump it, it's not it's not an easy jump like anybody could have easily you know rolled your ankle or something like that you know like that's that's a that's a tough leap off of that so you know as far as the song goes there's no like massive bridge there's you know they're they're not kind of they're not giving ed that moment to hey do something crazy and we'll we'll just vamp for it they're like, okay, we, here's here's the song. We gotta play it because this is how Dave knows the song, and they can't. Ha- they don't have that moment to sort of, you know, gel and, and start to to elaborate on it yet. So Ed has to jump down from it right away, finish up the song, and, and it stays pretty tight to what the album is, though. Yeah, and the thing that that stuck out stuck out to me was just Mike strumming as hard as he could over there mm-hmm. on the side. He is just furious pounding on that guitar is really cool 
again, it, it, it might not be like it might not be like some of the epic versions of Porsche that we would get a few years later, but it's still very, very good, very cool. Yeah, and I don't know if you noticed, but at the end, Mike did a little bit of a subtle voodoo child tag. Did you notice that? Yeah, it's it's very it's like it's one of right those points when you miss it things, but right. Very I'll, cool. I'll let you I'll let you blink right now. So. Okay, so that was it. Uh, literally a blink, like like we said, a freaking blink. Um, and at this point, it seems like the set was going to close. It seems like the night the the day was going to end, but. Ed says he gets the okay to do one more song, and it's what, like forty minutes into the show at this point, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Not not very long. They're not playing very long. So, it also brings a uh, a basketball out on stage and uh, mentions they were broadcasting it on the radio, but you had to be here in order in order to hear it. Fan in the crowd asks Ed to play catch, so he throws the ball into the crowd, and they're joking around. Oh, intercept it! Like you know, and. You know, ask for the crowd to to volley back because it's Jeff's ball. I don't want him getting mad at me. <laughs> so they, yeah, like that at, at this time, like they would do that in between, like before the shows, they would go find a gym and like play. Yeah, or they would go play with like they were playing, like you know, they go into your city and they would play like a radio celebrity game or something. Mm-hmm. Like they were all about finding places to play basketball at this point. Yeah, I I think that's something that we haven't really talked about there, and maybe that's like a whole exclusive episode that we can do like just Pearl Jam's relationship with basketball. And I'll, I'll be totally honest. Basketball is probably one of my lesser favorite sports. And I, I love, I love nineties basketball for the, for the rich culture of it and for the players and everything like that. But I just, I can't, I'm not a big basketball guy. I, I, I just, I'm just not. So, but I do enjoy sort of the history that they have with it. And you can look back and there are some interesting stories that you can connect with basketball. The whole, you know, uh, Ed being a Bulls fan and, and being friends with Dennis Rodman and, and um, Mookie Blaylock, obviously. So maybe that's that's an idea for an exclusive episode at some point in the future. Yeah. So. If uh, I think the NBA has actually just started up, they've actually it started did. a new season now. It so. did. Hockey starts yeah. up next week too. So wow. hey, wow. there there are things to watch. There are things to do. Uh, all right, they're closing the show with breath. <laughs>
dribbling around the basketball during the performance and dribbling around Mike and then playing some more back and forth with the crowd. Um, my, I think my favorite moment from this is just Ed and Stone having a moment together and they were singing the, uh, if I knew where it was, I, I would take you there. And like that, I'm just, man, like those are the two guys that make the band at this time. Like they are, they're the chiefs. They're, they're you know, Stone is running the band, but Ed's the face of the band, you know, and, and they're having a moment together and they're feeling the song that two of them put together and really turned into something unique and special. Oh yeah, that that's a that's a cool moment, absolutely. And you get you get the little he adds a lyric like the you know far away never come back, mm-hmm. which is very cool. This version of Breath is maybe the the best performance from the show. Like I think it is. It's really really special. And like the, there's a great mic solo. You get Ed does a little crowd surfing. And he comes yes. back and just doing that kind of all in head banging, like whipping the hair around that he would do. And, he bashes oh the symbols at some point. Really, really, really good version of Breath. Yeah. yeah, this is they they were they were on another level. They really captured some magic in this one. Right, and uh, we get another tag. Like, there's a war pig tag. That's right. Into this That's very right. quick. This is this just feels like a great culmination of a new beginning for the band. Like they feel rejuvenated. So maybe they've had a couple of ups and downs, and you know the downs being that the drummers haven't really worked out the way they've wanted them to work out and now they've reached the point where okay this guy seems like he's in it for the long haul let's do it let's go and put everything behind us and go be the band that we've wanted to be from october yeah because like you know that's that's what they wanted they wanted to to just go 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 Right, they you get the feel for that you you know from the from the PJ Twenty movie from the interviews that we read, they just wanted to play music and get out there and and do it, and for them to they kind of had to stall with Dave K a little bit. They kind of Chamberlain wasn't really the right fit, so they were kind of like waiting like and you you build up this energy right like oh we just got to go do the thing like we got to just go do it, and when you finally get that person that is with you and like, yeah, like, let's go do it. Let's, let's, let's go tour 200 nights a year and let's go play, you know, 90 shows next year, you know, whatever. Then you, you can, there's such a release of like a catharsis of like, now we can finally do the thing. Like now people are going to get to see what we can do. And yeah. Oh, it's just a special feeling. Like you, I mean, this, we're so lucky to have this that kind of captures them at this moment. And basically, they're on tour for the rest of the 1991 year, you yeah. know, whether it's opening yeah. up for Soul Asylum or the Smashing Pumpkins or Red Hot Chili Peppers all over the place from Canada to to New York to, to Boston to Philly to all like places like Albany and Ann Arbor, Michigan, and just any place that they can jump in, whether it was 300 fans or 50 fans like they they did it. And I think this was definitely the best jumping off point for that so man what a show what a great show yeah what a great show let's get three moments in here what would be your three moments coming from this show yeah um mine are gonna be just kind of like snapshots so again like that moment in alive with where i mentioned you know ed's you know singing with his arms crossed and looking up like that that's my number one iconic moment from this number two is uh the one in uh and why go where he kind of like 
does the like the why like off the, off the mic a little bit and he kind of does a little snarl that that just kind of threw me you know watching it like oh man that's that's a moment and then just and then breath just ending with breath everything going on during breath ed singing to stone would probably be the cool but you get the little added lyric the solo the little war pig you know stone at the end just hunched over playing his heart out just just fantastic and those, those that's it for me yeah um i'm gonna i'm gonna say like some of the songs i'm gonna utilize this as like the way that i loved hearing the songs evolve you know from this point and then what they became and the first one that i'm gonna bring up is garden because garden is just it has a lot of different personalities and it can have a lot of different personalities and seeing it to be this kind of a headbanging song and and like you just don't recognize it as that you recognize it as kind of having a lot of like uh feedback and having a lot of reverb on it and everything like that and this just this felt like a rock song and this felt like a rock performance and i love versions of garden especially this early that kind of mirrored that style um the second one i would say is black because this is really a moment where ed and the band are starting to figure out that black should be part of the rotation every single night that although it has a lot of emotional implications that, you know, maybe it is something that's super, super connected to Ed. Like this is going to be the song that gets them through a lot of nights. And it's, it's so important going forward and to see Ed's face shift from, you know, energetic and, and, you know, headbanging and, and running around the stage and alive to tapping into something completely different during, during black. That was just, that was amazing. That was amazing to watch. I think that was one of my favorite moments from the show, but, but I, I think you're right. Breath is definitely the best performance and moment from the show. And just seeing that be the band's sort of breakout and transition from, hey, we're about to be a band with an album now. We're going from a band that's playing small clubs to a band that has aspirations of making it big. And, and that version of Breath made it feel like, okay, they they got what it takes. They're, they're, they're there, they're ready, and they're on their way. So, yeah, uh, this, is, this, is, this is great. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on my rating. I'm just going to give it a 10. Absolutely. Yep. Can't, can't be anything else. That's easy. That's easy. Like, everything... You know, there are a lot of things from this era that sound really good and maybe there are moments where Ed's in a bar and maybe he gets pissed off that not enough people are paying attention to the band and, and there's chatter going on and he throws a mic stand or some shit like that. But like this overall is what the band had all always wanted to amount to. This is the kind of show that they were looking forward to since they started and they hit it like to hit it within a year. Man, that's good for them good for them and they just moved forward and and did everything that they wanted to do so great and it, it makes such a difference having a clear crisp video and having yeah. the, the really good audio from this like you get to see those kind of like otherwise you know we would have missed those those moments some of those that we talked about because we just wouldn't have been able to hear it or you it would have been far away and it would have been grainy and you would have been able to see but it's yeah having having the the quality of, of the video that this one has is is a huge plus makes a big difference absolutely yeah that i mean again all thanks go out to the martyr the cameraman if you yeah. exist if you are still following the pearl jam universe please like send us an email so we can just send you stuff and thank you personally or if anybody knows the yes. guy 
<laughs> if anybody knows the guy, get us in touch with him because he One would of be the unsung heroes. He would be an awesome interview. And uh, yeah, that's that'll be great. So we got that was our first hometown show that we did, and we got eleven more to go. Maybe maybe a little more than eleven. Maybe we do some because uh, there are some two nighters thrown in there as well. What would be the next one that we're going to do for February? Do you know? It have we to mentioned be, it. Uh, it have, are we still in 1991 or are we moving, moving to 1992? We're moving forward. Okay. So uh, we met, we did mention this really quick. Uh, Drop in the park will be yep. the next one. So the beginning yep. of February, we will be back with uh, the hometown series and do Drop in the Park. So hopefully. Immortalized on the cover of <laughs> Not For You, Pearl Jam in the present tense. Oh, hey. So on we'll, st- we might need to go back and, and reread that chapter. That's absolutely true. Yeah, I, I think we will try to get every, all the information that we can on that for sure. But uh, before that, we have the rest of the month is going to be you know a mix of doing some Patreon shows and doing some kind of unsung hero type shows. And we're going to have a really good interview in a couple weeks. Uh, you mentioned a book uh, written by Ronan Giovanni, but we're going to have the writer of uh, The All-Encompassing Trip, uh, Jason Ling, is is going to join our show in a couple weeks to do uh, to talk a little bit about his trip. Uh, he, wrote, he wrote the book basically chronicling his Pearl Jam fandom by driving across country with a van. And it just like, you know, from people joining him in the van that that didn't know who he was and and meeting people on the forum meeting people at shows it's a really it's going to be really interesting to talk to him about some of those experiences and you know kind of encapsulating what this Pearl Jam community really is i think he's got a really good grasp of it and he just released a hardcover version of his book so if you want to go and uh and buy that 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 is out there in uh bookstores as well uh but next week we are doing a patreon episode for chris everett and he's going to come on and he's going to do jacksonville 2016 with us i will be a third wheel because the two of you have been to that show i have yet to listen to it at this point but i'll be prepared with everything i got next week and that should be a lot of fun and then like mentioned before we're going to be doing profile episodes uh chris Chris will have the first profile episode that'll be up on Patreon probably the day after that we do uh, the Jacksonville show. So we'll mention that next week, too. Um, yeah, I got I got nothing else except just enjoy your new year. You guys like this is this has been a fun show. And obviously we got so much more going on the new year. We'll have evolution episodes and stuff like that out whenever we have them out. And uh, I think this week we released our set list draft for December. If you want to go check that out and uh, lots of other stuff going on on Patreon, patreon.com slash live on four legs. I don't even think we mentioned the link before. I think we just got so excited for whatever we were doing on Patreon, but uh, hit that Patreon app and search for us. You'll find us. It's so easy. You guys, it's so easy. And if you want to contribute to the bonus leg and contribute a dollar, we love you. If you want to contribute $5 to the Giga Leg, we love you. If you want to contribute $10 to the Horizon Leg, ah, we love you just the same. Everybody, it's all equal here. We want you guys to be a part of this community as much as possible and enjoy uh, enjoy the content and enjoy being a part of this. So it's all up to you guys. And even if you just want to enjoy the show and, and not be a part of the Patreon community, we love you guys too. You guys have been awesome. And there have been so many people in the past couple weeks that have reached out that have basically listened to every episode that I had never heard from before. And I just want to thank those people. Cause I know that they're, they're out there. So that's, that's very cool as well. 
All right. Any final thoughts before uh, letting this one sail into the sunset? I think you said it, man. Looking okay. forward to next week. Yep. More 1991 shows. Hopefully we'll get to them at some point. We have no concrete plans on them yet. Once we get, you know, looking into the bootlegs and looking into what's out there, we'll, we'll put them out. So you'll know when we know. This may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, I miss you already, and I miss you always. Thank you so much for tuning in to our first hometown series, the Seattle series of 2021. If you like the show, head to us and subscribe to us on Apple and rate us five stars or four stars if you want to be a little bit picky and just leave a comment and let all the other fans that are listening to us know how much you like us, how much you don't like us, whatever Whatever you feel like the fans need to know, let them know through Apple and give us a little bit of a rating and uh, and help the show out. So do that. Listen to the next episode. Listen to the old episodes. It's all there whenever you want. They're free to listen to whenever you want. And we'll be back next week. Please join us. Thank you. C-Rock AM 1590 rocks harder.
did you get all of that? Can I get your address? 